This is Graham Wardle. Mark Friesen. This is Marty Up North. This is Alex Craner. I'm Rupa Subramania. This is Tom Luongo, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Wednesday. I am back in Canada land. So uh, back up north, I want a, a, a shout out to um, uh, Vance Crow, St. Louis Jack, and the whole crew down there. Um, a very interesting weekend, a uh, bit of a whirlwind, you know, getting down there, getting back. Good old Canada. We can't find a direct flight to, to save our life. I had to go through Pearson and, uh, you know, it lived up to expectations. So let's leave it there. Before we get on to uh, today's show, uh, how about we start here? Guardian Plumbing and Heating, that's Blaine and Joey Stefan, home of the Guardian Power Station, bringing free electricity to everyone as well as reliable off-grid solutions, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and beyond. Go to guardianplumbing.ca where you can schedule your next appointment at any time. Caleb Taves, Renegade Acres, uh, he's given his spot over to community and uh, trying to shine a light on some community events coming up. Well, for the kids' sake, we've been, uh, we haven't been we have had an event in a couple months, and the next one is coming December 7th, the Irreplaceable Parent Project. That's uh, Shauna Sundell. Uh, it's going to be a data-rich seminar where she will be explaining and providing how parental rights have been under attack in education, law, and health, and how to push for made medical assistance uh, in dying in minors, uh, uh, how it's coming or how they've been pushing for it. So it's going to be a very interesting, uh, um, she comes, uh, a very interesting hour or hour and a half. Um, uh, she's been very highly uh, recommended um, by a bunch of different people. So that should be an interesting night. That's December 7th at the Vic Juba, Shauna Sandel, the Irreplaceable Parent Project. That's for the kids' sake, um, Vic Juba, okay? Um Deer and Steer Butchery is a fast-growing custom cutting and wrapping butchery located near Lloydminster. They focus on high-quality, locally sourced meats with unparalleled customer service who are proud to be from this area and community. They are currently seeking a dedicated and experienced butcher to join us, not as a, an employee, but as a partner. And all you hunters out there, if you're looking to uh, get your animal uh, processed, just give them a call, 780-870-8700. If you're looking for a job or opportunity, Give them a call, okay? Erickson Agro Incorporated at Irma, Alberta. That's Kent and Tasha Erickson, family farm. They're raising four kids. I tell you what, I got one of their kids living with me. He's gone all week uh, on uh, on school break. And they're growing food for our community and this great country. I'm happy to have them aboard. If you're interested in hopping aboard the, uh, the show, hit me up uh, in the show notes. Silver Gold Bolt, they're North America's premier precious metals dealer with state-of-the-art distribution centers in Canada, uh, Canada, in Calgary. <laughs> And Las Vegas. They ensure fast, fully insured, discreet shipping right to your doorstep. Silver Gold Bowl offers a diverse set of services, including buyback, wholesale, registered savings, IRA accounts, RRSP, and TFSA accounts, as well as storage and refining solutions. You can trust them to elevate your precious metals investment journey with unrivaled expertise and unparalleled convenience. Your prosperity and security are top priority, making Silver Gold Bowl the go-to choice for all your precious metal needs. Just go to silvergoldbowl.ca. A, Jim Spannerath and the team over at Three Trees Tap and Kitchen. If you are looking for, um, well, probably the best selection on tap, locally sourced, um, some of the best food in town, some of the best service in town, and, oh, wait, you can find a little bit of live music there from time to time. Well, Three Trees is your place to go hang your hat. You can call and make reservations at 780-874-7625. 
Now, let's get on to that tale of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. For the past 80 years, they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals delivering to your farm, commercial, or oil field locations. For more information, visit them at HancockPetroleum.ca. He's a father of two, married 32 years. From 1993 to 2015, he supplied drill bits and equipment to the Northern Alberta Drilling Fleet. He also ran as an independent for the riding of Camrose in the last Alberta election. He garnered 8.5% of the votes as an independent. I'm talking about Bob Blayon. So buckle up. Here we go. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today I'm joined by Bob Blayon. So first off, sir, thanks for hopping in. Thanks for uh, the invitation, Sean. Now, you know, you got to tell me a story. Who is Bob? Who is Bob? And wow. where where did Bob come from? Because, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was, um, the way you, you've popped in and on my radar is I'll give a shout out to Morley first because I'm sure he's the first guy who said, have you heard of Bob before? And I'm like, I don't know, Morley, maybe. And uh, and so anyways, we kind of had this chat and I was like, oh, okay. So when your name came across Twitter the other day, I was like, hey, that's Bob. I'm like, you know. And um, I called, I texted Morley. It took my brain a little bit of like tracking. Who texted me about Bob? Somebody texted me. I'm like, I think it was Morley. Morley started laughing. He's like, have you still not talked to Bob? I'm like, I have not talked to Bob. So. (laughs) That's funny. Anyways, but that's about as far as I know about you, other than starting to follow you a little bit on social media now. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, I guess I'm just a regular guy and uh, had no plans of doing what I'm doing, Sean. It's... uh, are you originally from Alberta then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, born in uh, Tabor, and uh, we lived in Raymond until I was six. And then uh, my dad, so my dad was a grain farmer from Saskatchewan, and I come from a family of nine, and uh, all nine of us are born in different towns across western Canada. And then my, my dad... All nine of you were born in different, cou- different towns? towns <laughs> across west Saskatchewan, uh, Alberta, and British Columbia. <laughs> and uh, yeah, dad, he was uh, nomadic to say the least, and uh, followed the work back in the day. Um, involved in, you know, grain farming and then the forestry industry, and then he got involved in, his passion was mushroom farming. He was, uh, yeah, it's a uh, Mushroom farming. Mushroom farming, big uh, barns, buildings. You full know, of mushrooms. Full of mushrooms. And not the, the type that make you hallucinate. No, 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 not that kind. White, white button mushrooms was what uh, he was growing, but. Anyways, so they lost the farm in Raymond, and uh, he moved the family up to Peace River. And the reason he did that was for opportunity. And uh, it was quite the the life growing up. You know, we were very poor, like a lot of people were, and uh, we had uh, no running water until I was 13 again. And uh, very humble, and I'm glad I grew up that way. Uh, At the time, it was hard, but uh, we learned how to work and uh, to survive, really. Um, by the time I was 13, Dad uh, had put together an old sawmill, and I was 13 years old, and I was the canter man. And uh, we had, you know, calluses on our hands, and uh, we had to do everything we could to make a dollar to make ends meet. And I saw the dark hearts of man, I'll say it that way, at a very early age, and. Uh, the first time was when we spent a couple of years, you know, logging and cutting wood, a tremendous amount of wood, and big enough, you know, to build barns again, big barns and uh, a house, a new house. 
and then the uh, individual my dad had uh, attained uh, retained to be the broker of uh, selling this lumber that we had cut a tremendous amount of lumber he stole it all and then our neighbor out of spite ripped that sawmill apart because it was his mom that gave my dad and my family the uh, steel components and out of spite he used my dad's own front and loader and ripped it apart and so there we were starting over again and then my dad went back grain farming grew a crop of canola and then that was stolen so I, I saw that at an early age, and uh, not that I, I don't trust people. I do. I naturally trust people. and uh, You've just seen the... I've just seen what people, people are, capable are capable of. Absolutely, and ruthless. And then, you know, and then I saw the, the best of people, and uh, it was the MLA at the time who gave uh, my family, I think it was the last homestead, actually, and uh, 17 acres, and that was a lifting up moment. And then, uh, you know, Dad didn't stop, and... Both my mom and dad were beautiful people, and they uh, they kept moving forward. And uh, that's they taught. Are they us. still alive or no? No, no, no. They passed on. My mom passed on, and my dad uh, uh, many years later. But you know, and so I guess I'd, I'd I'll also talk about my my ancestry because it, it was something. It's so Native Indian ancestry, and uh, my dad was proud proud of my tea. And this is fascinating because. Uh, it was something I struggled with growing up, and a lot of people did, and talking to people now. And um, struggle with being well, Métis. The, sh- the shame, yeah, this it was. It was uh, I. I experienced it. Maybe you know a lot of people say, "Well, you don't look it." Well, yeah, I, there's people that, and don't get me wrong. Pe- we've grown up as a society. I saw this this uh, maturing of uh, Canada and Alberta, and I, I have this conversation with people that immigrate here, and, and the, the difference now from 30 years ago say and what they see but anyways I was began doing the research on on my native Indian ancestry and my auntie called me my last living sibling of my dad and she said I have some uh, news for you that's going to be rather shocking Uh, she said I heard you're doing the research on your uh, Métis ancestry I said yeah and she goes well your grandfather was also um, Native Indian ancestry, and he was f- he forbid us to speak of it, and uh, <laughs> I was shocked. And she said, on on that side, there is some uh, historical Native Indian leaders. One being uh, Chief Black Powder, and the other Chief Big Bear, and they were the last holdouts to the signing of Treaty Six. And what they said back in their day um, to their government when they were negotiating the treaties and that, one of the quotes was, come to us as men, do not come to us with trinkets. And the other was, I will not live with the noose around my neck. So what we're living through today and the reason why I got involved politically, um, that resonates with me. And, uh, you know, I I talked to a lot of people where uh, they're feeling the same calling, that we are, are, we're not respected, uh, anyone of us, that we are controlled and um, we've lost our independence, you know, of uh, of spirit. And uh, from that day on, you know, Native Indians have been enslaved in their little plots of land, and that's what they're opposed to. And that's the the calling I have today is to uh, is just advocating for humanity. And whether it's the the Alberta political prisoners that are in prison right now. Um, 
or the uh, what happened through COVID, the reason why I walked away from the United Conservative Party, I got very involved in that organization. How they ruled over Albertans, I don't doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you're on on the COVID conversation, that was tyrannical, that was fascist, and that was unbecoming of our elected representatives. And that was my wake-up call. And that's when I really, uh, my journey, I guess I'll call it, truly began. Um, education and politics and psychology and epidemiology. And uh, yeah, and just seeing the brokenness of today, it's, it's heartbreaking. And to see the manipulation of people and how we're divided and conquered is uh, truly heartbreaking. And you got, you know, guys like Tony and Jerry and Chris and Chris paying the price of this. And uh, yeah, it's just I'm, I'm dedicating my life to advocating for people, all people, and uh, defending their, their rights and, and their humanity. Yeah, one of the, uh, where do I want it? The, you know, I don't know if I've ever finished the book. It's sitting on my nightstand, but uh, I was reading Big Bear's book um, because it's, to me, it's like fascinating how cruel we always have been. Yeah. And um, in order to get uh, uh, Big Bear and his his group of uh, his tribe of people to move off, or all of them, right? Like they, they basically just starved them out. That's yeah. that's basically what they did. Absolutely. Like you just read it, and you're like, this is horrific. I'm like this is horrific. And so you know, then you fast forward to where we are today. Even COVID, the uh, one of the things um, when you fast forward to COVID, I'm like, you know, it might be one of the first times in. Um, well, I don't know, my history for sure. I don't want to say human history. I, I, I don't know. Maybe there is a time and place, but like where everybody was treated equally, just very poorly, you know? Like yeah. it didn't matter your, anything. You are treated poorly. And certainly uh, if you got the shot, you didn't get the shot, right? Like that that's where they started to divide us back into groups. Here you are, there's your groups. But um, very, very interesting uh, stretch of time. And the UCP... Uh, you know, I, I, I give a, a, a slight pause to right now because they got Danielle Smith at the helm and she was not an acting government person during that time, right? Right. And so I, I give a little bit of grace there um, because it, if I've noticed anything out of government, nothing happens quick. It's like, man, you are the slowest train moving, you know? And it is slow on everything. It's like, now nah, we're just going to stop at this one and then we're going to throw, okay, and then we're going to move an inch further. And then, but me, meanwhile, if it's something they really want, you know, and when it comes to like things that we're all opposed to, it seems to move real fast. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad I participated in the education of what happens behind the scenes politically in the UCP. So you're not a UCP fan? No, and I'll tell you why I'm not. Um, <clears throat> it was, again, I do my due diligence, whether it's, uh, climate change, reaching out to Professor Mike Hume, who was with the IPCC and, and three-year-long on-and-off conversation with COVID and reaching out to uh, and connecting with Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Paul Alexander, Dr. Peter McCullough. I do my due diligence. And, and in politics, so what happened was Dana... What were you... Sorry, uh, yeah. uh, just to stop you for one second. Right. What, what were you before this? Yeah, so I, I meant to finish my, my story there. So when I say, you know... With uh, all of us, we need opportunity. And my dad moved us north because he knew there was going to be opportunity in northern Alberta. And it was Alberta oil industry that lifted all my family up on my side and my wife's side too. And lifted so, a lot of people up. Oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of people. 
And so in 2014, um, we were decades uh, supplying drill bits to the northern drilling fleet uh, equipment, pumps and light towers and whatnot. And I, I, I did see the downturn coming. And uh, Dane and I made the decision near the end of 2014 that we're done for 10 different reasons. But uh, we... We had enough, and you know, no, I'm not. I mean, we were, we knew it was good to us, like it really was, and uh, we, you know, decided let's start enjoying life and, and uh, enjoying our time. So, kids. did you have a company, or you just we had our own company? So, so you we sold worked, it. We sold it. We sold our interest to our, our partner and family partner and uh, Alex, and uh, or we just you know sold our portion of the interest out, and uh, yeah, by January first. We were done, and we high-fived, and uh, it was a good moment. And then you know, do you have kids, Bob? We have two children. They're both moved you didn't out. Follow in, you didn't follow in the nine-kid uh, uh, experiment? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we did not. Actually, and uh, we we were, we're not shy to say it, and we were honest with our kids right at the beginning. Both our children are adopted, and uh, it's a comment that I made to uh, – I don't want to, well, I'll say it, call what it was. People that I've walked away from in the UCP, was one of the things I said was, if you think that we're doing this for only our children, you're uh, delusional. We're doing this for all children in our advocacy. So um, we walked away from a busy uh, time in our life of, uh, like a lot of people working hard. We worked really hard, and it was good good times, and we met a lot of great people. And uh yeah. Can I, can I ask um, on the adoption? Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely, uh, it's one of the things that Mel and I looked uh, strongly at when we first were married and everything else. Right? Um, was that something right from the get go? You're like, we're adopting kids, or did that uh, play out differently? It played out differently. Like we we tried to have our own, and then uh, it just wasn't in in God's plans. And we say it that way. Then we told our children that, right? You know, you were born for us. You you know. And it was just, it was a wonderful experience. And uh, both our children came from the same uh, foster home. And we had met our, our daughter when she was just a baby. So because we'd visit the foster family and it was just, yeah, it was an amazing, uh, amazing time and uh, coming together. And uh, yeah, so when, you know, that was one of the reasons why we wanted to walk away from our busy life is to enjoy our time with our kids. And uh, it was at a time in their life where they needed us, you know, in their lives, and we could help. I can. I would never had the time to volunteer in anything because I was so busy with work. So that was great. And then and that I, must have been a nice. Um, I was about to say a nice change, but I, I assume a change, right? You go from being busy where you can't to oh, well, made it. Yeah, I guess I. I guess I can. You know, yeah. was that uh, you know like that? Uh, I don't know shift down or shift up I don't know what it which way you shift and doesn't matter um in life must have been an interesting um change it was a good moment you know um it was a liberating feeling of walking away from a busy hectic life of running a business uh and literally I, I look through pictures and there's the phone is always in my ear I'm always I was always on the phone and but then I walked away from that and had time with the kids and then I made the mistake of volunteering in politics and then that switched to another hectic part but it, it, either one so it, what it, got you involved in politics because I had this this calling this desire to fight for opportunity for uh, for Albertans and for Canadians so you looked at the NDP and went we gotta get them out I was angry 
um, and I'll never do that again. I was operating from that position of because we're blinded by that, and that leads me to my awakening in politics. So, got involved. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to being in the studio with Sean. Yeah, no I problem. just want to finish that thought because I think yeah. that's a really important thought because I've had multiple people now over the course of this thing say something similar to what you just said there, which is when you operate from you know, emotional blindness, right? You're really mad. Yeah. You don't actually see what's going on. You get mo- you're motivated, but you actually don't see what's going on. That's what you're saying there, Dis- correct? There's no discernment. There's, you know, there's not weighing both sides. Um, there's not looking for the actual truth of the matter. What's going on here? How did this happen? You get blinded by that, and then once that happens, it's game over. Then you get into this cult-like, and I'll call it that, a cult-like behavior of defending the indefensible sometimes. Right, because you're 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 just like raw 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 blue, or orange or red or whatever, as this this culture war that we're in, and uh, you know I'll skip forward a bit and then I'll go back. But sure, in this I said it I said it to Brian Jean when I met him in the summer of 2022 when I was still trying to work I was working with Todd Lowen and Drew Barnes, you know, and I said to Brian I said I consider. Uh, the next Alberta election to be the most important election in Alberta's history. And he kind of shrugged his shoulders, and then I said, also, I do believe it's also going to be the most angry one. And what I experienced in this last general election running in Camrose was a viciousness of this cult-like behavior of defending a color of a sign rather than policy, rather than... um, challenging the abuse at the hands of conservatives of the people of Alberta. That's what I saw. And it wasn't, it wasn't far and wide, but this whole, um, then people buy into this, the political theater of splitting the vote rather than voting from a place of moral conscience, they'll follow that path. And, it's, and it is a political tactic. So in, in political, um, in politics, um, there's a lot of psych- psychology you know, political sciences, it's all about manipulation. It's all about deception. It's all about, you know, cheering on, again, a color or a slogan rather than the actual truth of the matter. How is this, how is this party, you know, you can say Alberta's strong and free. Really? That's not what I saw. Even before COVID, I saw things behind the scenes and I made a mistake. Of, I challenged people behind the scenes, Doug Schweitzer, the Minister of Justice at the time, because what I saw was the theft, the stealing of a million bucks. And I demanded a meeting with Doug. And I said, I didn't work this hard. And I always had witnesses to these conversations. I didn't work this hard volunteering my time, getting you guys elected so you could start stealing again. And he literally hung his head. So that was before COVID. And then COVID happened. What happened with a million dollars? So it was uh, the energy war room. Again, it was, my, it was a passion like this, to, to fight for pipeline development, pi- fight for rail development, fight for opportunity of First Nation communities that have been waiting for their opportunity for a long time. And this nonsense that the you know, people saying, well, they don't want it. Yes, they do want it. They're waiting for it. And so that's why I was, got involved and I'm at literally advocating for prosperity, for opportunity. They started the energy war room. Good. We got an avoc- you know, $32 million budget a year. 
And then the person that got appointed to the head of that, I open up the paper one morning, I'm like, what the heck is this? Cronyism. Somebody's, Doug's friend, his campaign guy was appointed to that position. And then two weeks later, a $950,000 check was sent to that law firm that Doug came from, that this individual came from, his son was still at. That's what I'm talking about. Mm. And my point was to them was, why him? There's so many other people that should have been appointed to that position. That would have been a far better advocate of defending Alberta's prosperity, that understood the, the industry inside and out. Why not them? That would have volunteered for that role and not you wanted $280,000 a year for that position. And then it was shortly after the election, Kenny was asked the question about if he was going to remove the, uh, the emissions cap on oil sands. No, that's not important. And that's when I went, uh-oh, what's happening? So with, you know, when COVID started, um, very quickly, uh, like a lot of people, I went, okay, this doesn't seem right. Something else is at play here. This is, this is crazy. And then they brought in the COVID-19 Emergency Measures Act, Bill 10, in 48 hours. Well, like I said, when they got things they want, they move awfully fast. Oh, yeah. And that was a, that was a disgusting, I'll call it, omnibus bill. By then I understood well that our elected representatives do not understand what they're signing off of, that they're whipped to sign into it. One of the policies that I, one of my ideas was free vote. I had a meeting with Kenny and his former chief of staff on that. And it, it passed, they couldn't stop it, it passed, and it read specifically in matters of moral conscience. I believe that our elected representatives should represent their communities, come to the table, and vote freely. Being naive still, still learning, Kenny decided when it was enacted. You know, this, this iron-fisted control of all parties, I don't care what party you're talking about. In the UCP now, they don't even call it the party whip anymore, Shane Getson. The government whip is what they call it. How obscene is that? Where our political system has been uh, usurped, it used to be where the MLAs come to that table, no matter if they're the same party or not, they come to the, you know, the government table is the premier, the ministers, and then the rest of the MLAs are to hold that table accountable, to debate that table when they're bringing laws in. That doesn't happen anymore. With Bill 10, it totally took out our elected representative voice, gave supreme power to the government, and they started passing bills and laws. And it was horrifying for me to see that. And they ruled over Albertans with an iron fist, and right at the beginning, I was told by two MLAs that they knew what it wasn't, that it was far less than it was purported to be. They admitted that. My last ditch effort of, you know, bringing common sense and reasonability and morality with my friend Todd Lowen was I put a meeting together on November 10th, 2021 with Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Paul Alexander, and connected also to them with Peter McCullough, Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Roger Hodgkinson. And they were presented with 132 studies at the time. And the passion in us was stopping Alberta children from being vaccinated. It was very clear the evidence was at hand. And I, have, I, I share a document far and wide. I edited it yesterday. And I include the text messages from Nathan Cooper, the emails from Shane Getson, and the text messages from Samantha Stanky 
who's one of Todd's advisors, who's on the UCP Provincial Board, because it's important information for people to understand that these, there was 10 of them, 10 Alberta MLAs, had the chance to save the lives, to save people from getting hurt, to give these men an opportunity. All they wanted was to sit down with the Alberta government, with the public health, and have a conversation. And they, that didn't happen. And I was in an email conversation with Shane Getson. He said it. He was chosen to table that research. They were supposed to table the research. The act of tabling in our legislature means bringing this information and literally tabling it. And then it would become source documents. And it would open up the conversation. They didn't do that. So two months following that meeting, I phoned Todd Lowen. And I said, what the hell are you waiting for? You could literally save people's lives, children's lives. And he said, Bob, I don't want to look like an extremist. I said, I am so angry right now. I have to go. I don't want to say anything I regret. And I did. I hung up. I slept on it. Next morning, I sent a text message to Todd Lowen, Samantha Stanky, and Nathan Stanky, who's been a longtime paid political staffer, back to the days when Drew Barnes was the health critic for the Wadros. And I questioned them. I said, I find it very disturbing that Todd has at his fingertips and these MLAs had, have at their fingertips the very best in the world. The inventor of one, the, one of the inventors of the mRNA technology, and he's not utilizing them. And the reply back, as I shared on, in my document, is horrifying. It really, that was my last, you know, I walked away because Samantha said, it's not me you're trying to convince, it's not Todd you're trying to convince. But there's not enough people that are opposed to this. And for as heartbreaking as it is to know that more people will be hurt, children, what can one man do? And that's the same thing Nathan Cooper tried to tell me in his office in Olds, Alberta, in setting up that meeting. He said that to me. And I held up my phone, and it wasn't just those experts. There's a long list of people that were willing to come to Alberta and meet. And he said the same thing. What can one man do, Bob? I said, this is what you do. You pick up that damn phone and you call one MLA and another, another, and you get them to this meeting. That's what you do. And so they did. Political theater, whatever happens behind the scenes, there's no courage there. And I'll say it that way. There's no morality there. And that was when I understood that some people don't have a line in the sand. And so Daniel Smith, I ran against her in Brooks Medicine Hat last fall. And... I took that as another opportunity to ask direct questions of the Premier of Alberta to try to inspire her to meet with these people too. So this is what happens. Dr. Alexander calls me a couple days before I headed down. And it was a last minute decision. And he said, Bob, how can I help you? You need to get in there. We need your voice in there. I said, no, Paul, I want to help you. I want to try to set up a meeting with you and, and uh, Daniel Smith. Thank you, Bob. Let me know how I can help. So the first debate was in Brooks Medicine Hat. That's the teachers' union debate. And after it was over, Danielle was sitting on the far left, and she was walking behind, and I called her name. She spins around, and before I could get two words out, she said, hey, I'm in conversations with Dr. Alexander and Dr. McCullough. I'm like, really? She, yes. I said, well, that's the purpose of me coming over to speak with you right now. I'm trying to set up a meeting between you and them. I was just talking to Paul. Oh, she lied to me. The first time I met this person, this premier, 
recorded on stage the last debate, broadcast, she said the same thing. And when Gwendolyn Dirk, the NDP candidate, made an offensive comment about those people that chose not to get vaccinated, it went to a four-minute open session, put my hand up, and I said, when I wanted to learn about climate change, I reached out to the very best. When I wanted to learn about COVID, I reached out to the very best. And then I mentioned Dr. Malone, Dr. Alexander, Dr. McCullough. And I said, and we're going to get him to Alberta. And, and Dr. Okay. Alexander came to Alberta, yeah. right? Um, Dr. McCullough will be here on Thursday, the Canadians for Truth, uh, Theo Fleury and um, Jamie Slay are going to be interviewing him. And we're going to that. But anyways, and I looked over at Danielle and she said it publicly. My team is in conversations with Dr. Alexander and Dr. McCullough. I'll be interested to hear what they have to say. Lie. Um, I have no faith in our politicians. I have no faith in these, faith in these political parties. They, they lie. They deceive. They steal. And they hurt people. The climate change conversation is another one. Now, traveling across Alberta, knocking on doors, talking to people, when they tell me that they're having to choose between buying food, heating their home, or putting gasoline in their cars. What is that? Because of this nonsense. So this whole net zero nonsense, you know, saying that you're going to get rid of carbon taxes while look through the evidence. No, you're not. They're fully aligned onto this. Net zero is net zero, whether it's Trudeau's year or the UCP's year. It's the same thing. And so understanding that evidence of what's happening, that this Governments, the conservatives, liberals, NDP are embracing this restructuring of uh, our society and bringing forward carbon taxes and forced vaccinations. The fact that Harper laid the foundation to all of this a long time ago is insane. Like, I don't, how can anybody trust that? Todd Lowen, at his own UCP leadership launch in Olds, Alberta, said it out loud. It doesn't matter, and there's 50 people witnessed it. It doesn't matter who wins the UCP leadership race. Jason Kenney and Stephen Harper will continue pulling the strings. So when you understand the globalist structure, I, didn't, I had no idea at all. When I walked away, I was just like, something's going on. I don't know what this is. And I'll talk about what I discovered. But you have the, the top elites, like uh, Christine Anderson. Go ahead. You're giving me a lot right now. Oh, I know. It's a fire hose. You're saying you've you've rattled off some of the individuals that I think very highly of. And so you're saying, just so I'm clear, while you're sitting in Todd Lowen's, um, what did you call it? So I, was, it, I wasn't there. A friend of mine was there at his UCP leadership campaign launch. Okay. So it was a day, you know, it's a big, you know, they're going to, he's going to run for the UCP leadership. <laughs> and he said it out loud. It doesn't matter who wins the UCP leadership race that Jason Kenney and, and uh, Stephen Harper will con continue pulling the strings. And you trust that individual not like because you don't have that on like a recording, correct? No, it's, it, she was a lawyer. There's, there's email evidence. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. I yeah. just, to yeah. me, anytime you start uh, stretching like, well, I wasn't there, but we, we, yeah, we no. have a good, I'm yeah. like, ooh, the game of phone tag is, is tough. I'll, right? I'll say it this way. Go through my document. Um, there's all the evidence is there. All the links are there. Um, regardless, yeah. go, I, I want to go back to just the Todd Lowen thing for a second. Mm -hmm. 
what is the moment where you're sitting there, whether it's behind the scenes for the UCP, I, I don't care where you go, because I, I feel like what uh, your, your passion this morning, there had to have been a moment where you went, what did they just say? Or how the heck did I get here? Yeah, what, that's the easy one. What, what, yeah, what is that? When they wouldn't. When they this bring is, these this men is, forward, these international. This is when you're trying to get in the middle of 2021. Yeah, so this would have been um, the beginning of. So the meeting was November 10th, 2021. So it would have been January of 2022 was the last time I spoke to Todd, and when he refused to bring forward these. You realize? Uh, sorry, I'm just yeah. piecing together my own pieces in here too, because uh, I had uh, Shane Getson in here. I want to pull it up. I want to actually get the and right I want, date. I was going to bring up Sh- uh, Shane, too, what happened to him the month before this meeting. Shane Getson. The first time I had him on was December 6, 2021. And he said, he, bl- he sat in his your chair, and me and him were talking about COVID for, like, you know, I don't know, 15 minutes out of a two-hour interview. There was lots we talked about. Right. And uh, he was saying, oh, it's not that big a deal. You know, we're going to move past it. And I'm kind of like, I at the time, I'm like, I... I don't know about that. And then he ended up getting his first shot and then having, and then being put in hospital and, and then riding in the freedom convoy and everything else. Kyle talked about that. And that's how, how angry I was to see that. So that meeting with these experts. And I just, yeah. for my timeline, yeah, yeah. sorry, I'm trying to get my brain right here. Sure. When you're talking about trying to bring McCullough, Alexander, Malone, that's before December, correct? That was November 10th. So that is, okay. But you know when Shane was vaccinated? Because we didn't know this. The month before, October is when he was vaccinated, um, when he had this life-threatening, right? He brought it out in the Freedom Convoy. He played it. I saw it. He played it like a card. I was injured by this vaccination. Hmm. Rah, rah, rah. And he was the, the thing that made me angry. He was the one that was supposed to table this research. Todd, I was trying to tell Todd how big of a movement this was. That do you understand how many people are opposed? You know what I find this? hardest th- th- about this is, is these are all people. You're saying then we've all been played very hard. Hundred percent, we have. And Sean is still very naive. Then absolutely, we have. I mean, again, who is Peter McCullough? Ab- you know, uh, he's speaking before the U.S. Senate, Senator Ron Johnson. He just spoke before the U.K. Parliament. This man has been published over a thousand times in the top medical journals of the world. He is the uh, epidemiologist, cardiologist of, you know, international magnitude. He is a leader in this. Who was Dr. Paul Alexander? Another epidemiologist, another very well-respected international medical expert. Malone, McCullough, and Alexander have all been on this show. So, like... You don't have, I don't think, yeah. I don't know, maybe the, if so you're new to the show, you, you maybe you're, are, are going, who let is me that? T- the first, when I was trying to, I connected with Dr. McCullough. I was emailing him. So if a guy like Bob, a regular Albertan from Northern Alberta, could connect with this man who was sounding the alarm just like Dr. Hoff was, just trying to save people, right? Just to give people pause. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down, everybody. Here's an example. Dr. McCullough. This is the man he is. We, uh, the... Peace Server Public School Division was going to go into uh, forced COVID mandates. I emailed Peter, is there anything I could print out to take to this protest? Five minutes. Take this, Bob. Boom, boom, boom. Printed it out, hand-delivered it. 
to these bureaucrats there. This is from so-and-so for you. And that's all I would do. I would always put a disclaimer on social media. I'm not a scientist. I'm just sharing science. Yeah. So these men were asking, please give us an opportunity to have a conversation with the government, with public health in Alberta, and with Albertans to give them informed consent. Something has gone terribly wrong. People will die. This is Paul. Shut it down. Roger, bam. Now you know. If you continue to move forward with this, you are complicit in murder. That's the message they were given. The next morning, I had a phone call from Samantha Stanky. Well, geez, they're a little harsh. I said, don't even start with me. Yeah, I know. Leading up to that meeting, Nathan Stanky, I said, what the hell is going on here? Peter McCullough, Dr. McCullough wants to meet. Just have a conversation with him. Bob, when I look up Dr. McCullough on Google, it shows that he's an extremist. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Again, no courage, no morality, no line in the sand. That's a question I asked to each and every MLA and staffer that whole year. Where is your line? Tell me right now. Nathan Cooper, I asked him face to face. Where is your line? Vaccine passports. Thank you. Two weeks later, again, it's another text I have. Two weeks later, the vaccine passports come. Here it is, bud. What's your call to action now? Well, I would have preferred if they uh, would have used, you know, testing for domestic travel. But I support Passports International. I'm like, wow. So we've got to remember something here. A lot of people today have been indoctrinated into believing that this is okay, that these abuses, this, these attacks on our liberties are okay. What is that? What is that ideology? It's not conservatism. It's not freedom. It's not freedom-loving people. I get upset when people say, like, oh, so I ran as an independent. What would you do? What could you do as an independent MLA? <laughs> Number one, welcome, Dr. McCullough. Welcome, Dr. Alexander, in, in, in Alexander to our legislature. Please, speak to Albertans. That's number one. Number two, advocating for these people that are being abused, these political prisoners. At the very least, advocating for them, for their lawful and due process. But no, they don't. They sit back, and I said this many times over that year. You're sitting in the weeds, hiding, while Albertans are getting abused. Shame on you. Where's your courage? None. There is none. Government whip now. So Shane Getson, half of those MLAs that met with those experts are now ministers of the government. Isn't that interesting? So now, now they can't say, Bob, I can't do anything. I'm just an MLA. They're going to kick me out of caucus. And even with that, Todd Lone was kicked out of caucus, right, because he wrote that letter. Do you know how hard we were working on him, his brother Greg, his mom, getting him to, you know, stand up? And so he, he didn't sleep for three nights till he hit send on that email, and he couldn't wait to go back there. Here's a cue card. Say this. That is such a failure. There no, there's, there's no longer statesmen fighting for people. These politicians, they're like, Go sit over there, 
you know, now you go sit over there. We got this. And it's a conversation I had with Kenny the very first time I talked to him, met him in person. I criticized Harper. I criticized their model of governance. I said, those of us that see are not stupid. We're not fools. We see this little inner circle of power. And unless you're part of that little inner circle, you got these MLAs and MPs around here, and there's rubber stamping. I said, that needs to change. So he comes to Alberta, and I fell for it, fell for the lie. Oh, yeah, we're going to do Alberta strong and free, blah, blah, this slogan. They reverted back to this heavy-handed, tyrannical structure of a party, which leads into a, a structure of government, and all parties do it. I don't care what party you're talking about. I went and, you know, then I, when I went to Camrose, I went and knocked on Jackie Lovely's office door to introduce myself. I met Richard, the NDP candidate, and we had a conversation. Jackie didn't want not much to do with me, but Richard and I talked, and I said, listen, Richard, I know you're beholden to what Rachel Notley says. Like you, I said, you can't tell me that you agree with everything. No, I don't, but that's the problem. There's no freedom in our elected representative to speak on behalf of their communities at all. And I'm glad, you know, the, the Independence Party was taken out from within four days before the AGM. Isn't that interesting? We did polling. We spent a lot of money on polling. We had a shot at five rural seats taken out a month and a half before the election. So I pivoted to an independent candidate. And then I understood very well the challenges that come with that. I couldn't start campaigning until the writ was dropped. And then I had an email from Elections Alberta. So I had 26 days, our team did. And in 26 days, giving people the truth, knocking on doors, orange doors, blue doors, both sides saying it, I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. Both sides saying it, public health is broken, education is broken, the justice system is terrible. Both sides are saying it. In 26 days, 10% of the vote. Went to you. Why? But the question is why, Sean? When we hold when we were holding town halls, when I held when I hold town halls, I don't go up there and stump speech and say, join this party. No, no, no. Here's the truth. Here's the information. You decide. And by the way, there's a mic. If you want to ask questions, ask anything. Anything you want. Because you deserve transparency to understanding who you're voting for anything. So my opinion is we've got to get back to a moment where there's a morality in our elected representatives, where they follow God's law, where, you know, for example, what just happened through COVID, you could flip it both ways on the people and on the elected representatives. Bob, you got to lock everybody down. You got to force vaccinate. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. That's a breach. Or the inverse of that. You know what I'm saying? Or how about this? Elected representatives, they're, they're caught taking $1,000, $950,000. You're done. There's the door. Goodbye. If you can't govern from a place of morality, what hope do we have? That's where we're at. It's, it's so bad. And so the public health system. So when I ran against Daniel Smith, so there was that lie she told. And it was the moment when Dr. Willie Mackis and I connected. And he gave them a very good opportunity to, to uh, dissolve an idea, dissolve the College of Physicians and Surgeons, 
with a simple amendment to the Health Professions Act. It could, get, it could be done in less than a week by Dr. Mackis's, um opinion. And then you form another organization that's beholden to informed consent, first do no harm. Do you know how many doctors would sign up? Silent? They would sign up because they're, they're yeah, yeah. silenced. They're abused. And they want to warn their patient. They want to, the nurses want to warn their patients, but they can't. The public health system is a mess. So let's, let's try this. You've been staring at this and have been, I don't know, is it blackpilled, I feel like, you know? You've, you've, you've got to the bottom where you're like, okay, this entire thing over here, smoke and, smoke and mirrors and, and lies and everything else. Right. You just burn it to the ground or is there a way through? Because I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, I feel like there's a lot of people, Bob, that are sitting listening and going, okay, yeah, That's all right. It. What then? What's the answer? Giving people truth, giving them the uh, the truth of how, what's going on, why it's going on, and letting the people decide for themselves. So, so is the I'm going to tell you what's happened politically sure, yeah, in Alberta here. Yeah, yeah. So, Sorry. Wild Rose, twice, taken up from within, right? Yes. Independence Party saw it with my own eyes. I had to live through that to see that. What is that? That is the political establishment stopping a true grassroots movement to create change, to affect change, to bring voices to the legislature that are willing to have these conversations. So whether it was in Medicine Hat or in Camrose, UCP on my right, or sorry, on my left, NDP on my right, talking to the people. I'm like, here they are going at it. You know there's a problem. We know a pro- there's a problem. They know there's a problem. Why don't we have the conversation? Why don't we fix it? But here's the problem. Here's the political theater of it all. You have the top level of bureaucracy, the deputy ministers that control the board, right? This little political theater up here, the changing of the, the parties, the politicians, is nothing. They're not doing anything. It's the first question I asked Drew Barnes. I said, Drew, ask, ask, I got a question. Could you guys fire the deputy minister of health? Oh, absolutely. Well, why don't you? Great question, Bob. But here's the problem. As Brian Peckford said, another acquaintance through this, he said it this way in his speech in Calgary at the uh, Jonas Awards when Tamara got her award. And I was emailing Brian. We're having these discussions of both the reality of the day, where we're at in politics. And he said this. The politicians and political parties across Canada have turned their backs on the people. The media and justice system have turned their backs on the people. The lobbyists are controlling the politicians, and I'll go back to that, and the only hope is in the people themselves. Okay, so hope in the people themselves to come in and try to work within, say, the UCP, to go to an AGM and put policies forward that they think is going to change things. And get involved. I was there. Those are policies. Brian just said it in his email addressing this. Those are party policies. They don't automatically equate into governmental law. Well, we just talked about this with uh, the the federal uh, one. The with, same with thing. Pierre, and Pierre that, said, well, that doesn't mean they automatically go in. Exactly. So, so I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So trying to fix the beast from within, good luck. 
then yeah. poke holes in this because well, sure. I'm. Yeah. Um, Fixing from within, they put all these policies in place. If they don't enact said policies, then the people who help push those policies, which is becoming an ever-increasing number, I, you know, like the, 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 the Ryan Jesperson of the world can sit there and go like, this is all social, you know, like blah, 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 and, and harp on those people. But when you read the 10 things or whatever it was that they put forward, you went, yep, that makes sense, that makes sense, that makes sense. All these make yeah, perfect sense. Absolutely. Nothing's like taking us back to the Stone Age. Yeah. It's actually just putting a little common sense. I hate to use that, That's you know, but that that's kind of what it is. Yeah. And as long as people stay involved and realize that you can't just one and done and, you know, like, oh, and I'm out. If they don't put these in, then doesn't the movement into the UCP, can't they just be like, and you're done, and you're done, and no, 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 no. So then, so the, the, the party structure is separate from the governmental structure, right? And so I'm going to throw this out there. These so-called freedom fighter UCP MLAs that were elected, that we were promised, again, they're going to bring change like that. Where are they? Silent. Non-existent. Sitting in the back bench. So this, the party, again, is separate from the government. Right. Which makes sense. So this, this party, what are they going to do? To this, the only person that can remove this MLA is either the people in a vote. And so when the, the, the election comes up again, this whole nonsense of splitting the vote, that cycle repeats, repeats, repeats. So they go through these cycles of, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to bring these policies forward. Will they happen? They could do it today. They could be working on it today. But no. Oh, good. Look what we just did. We had 3,000 people at this AGM. Albertans have spoken. Really? No. And I'll swear I'll be, bl I'll be blunt here. Bootlickers of the UCP have brought forward policy. And then they, not, I get that. I get that comment back. You're not happy yet. No, I'm not because nothing has changed. What has changed? When I know that they could change it today, what has changed? So if people say, well, look at the grassroots spoke. Okay. Then they should be acting then. Like now. Do it. Political theater all over again. So you don't think... Uh, I this is, uh, I guess, the uh, the green part of Sean, the naivety, right? Mm -hmm. You look at all that and go, they're going to enact none of it? So I'll say it this way. Tony Olenek, Jerry Morin, Chris Lysak, and Chris Carbert have yeah. been held in remand. For Re you know what remand is? Yes. 17 hours on average people are supposed to be in there. 630 days now, 21 months. Correct. And their next trial date is what? December? Yeah. They should have been pounding on that. That's number one. Number two, Sheila Annette Lewis died. Yep. Murdered. Yeah. Number three, they're still not warning the people of Alberta to maybe have a second thought about taking this COVID injection because of all these people that are being crippled and harmed and dying from it. But they don't the climate change nonsense there's no opposition to that so there again it's all this talk 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 but no action i have no hope 
no, I don't believe they're going to do any of that because, and I'll send you my document. You go through it yourself. You see how this came here, um, right? For the listener, because yeah. I'm going to get this a lot, uh, they're going to want to read your document as well. And I assume that's totally cool to oh, uh, email. So mm-hmm. if folks, if you email, uh, not email me, text me your email, I'll send it along. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's just, uh, no, I have no faith because what's changed? As each and every day goes by, these people are, are on their knees begging for mercy. And here you got these people cheering on this organization that has brutalized them. And when somebody says to me, well, Bob, with the four Alberta political prisoners, that's not in Daniel Smith or the UCP's jurisdiction. Yes, it is. At the very least, they could be advocating for them. And when they do that, they share this message out to all Albertans. Pierre Poulivre in the Conservative Party of Canada, can you imagine standing up in the, le- in the House of Commons? Trudeau, let those Albertans go. Give these Albertans bail. While murderers, pedophiles are walking free on bail, these Albertans, these political prisoners, are held. But does he do that? No. And so, again, Pierre Poulivre and the Conservative Party of Canada, all these policy ideas came from— So do you think at at a, uh, a root problem of politics is they look at it like a big, giant game? 100%. 100%. And that's what, that's so back to uh, Brian's point and what I saw at the UCP, what David John Parker said in my meeting with him of who's pulling the strings of the premier, the lobbyists are controlling the board. It's all about this game. Here's something. Um, so we're in Todd Lone's office. And just so people know, I you know what? I just, I it's, if Todd today said, Bob, you know what? You're right. This is enough already. Brings in these doctors, starts advocating for these men, these prisoners. I'd say, welcome back, bud. Welcome back. Instant forgiveness. But I can't do that because it's perpetual what they're doing, this abuse. So that's, that's what it, so, but in Todd Lone's office, Dane and I were invited to the legislature after the UCP got elected. And they make a big deal about it. They call your name out. Hey, you're in the in the gallery. And just so everybody knows, that's the first time I was in there to watch this spectacle, debacle. There's two, you know, junior high classes behind us watching this. And uh, they start debating. And it was just, it was so embarrassing to watch that circus. To watch the journalist over here laughing along like it's a big joke. And I'm like, these are our elected representatives. When I, if you're on the other side of the aisle of me, this is how it works. Our conversation has already worked out, right? Two weeks back and forth. And then we get there and it's scripted. It's already been decided. Maybe a tough question is going to be asked of Trudeau or whatever. He just won't be there that day. That's the game. That's the theater. These people pretend that they're going head-to-head, and then they'll go laugh together. It's a big joke. So when I saw that, I was disgusted. Like I said today, and I said, I feel like throwing my shoe down there at these people. Duran Billis looks up. He's all proud, and I decide to shake my head at him. Unbelievable. And here's young kids watching this. They're government and opposition putting on the spectacle of political theater rather than sitting down and talking about these important issues that are, you know, important to the people of Alberta. It's a spectacle. 
And the House of Commons is no different. If they really wanted to help, they would sit down and talk rationally, calmly, not make a big theatrics about it all. And that's what doesn't happen. And it won't happen because they don't have any control. They're not controlling the board. It's the people that fill their, their not you know, individually pocket, but the party coffers. There's a lot of money controlling these people, a lot of money. And it's not our elected representatives that are part of that decision-making process. The decisions are made. It's all done. And that's the problem. They do not want an independent voice to go in there and start speaking this way because it'll break the illusion of what's happening. One of us gets in there, open that. They can't redact anything. I want to see those things. Who are you working with? I want to show Albertans that this UCP has been working with a World Economic Forum organization in Forte to transition. This is a quote. This is who they've been working with, the same organization that Trudeau was working with. What is their purpose? To train citizens, to transition away, transition away from unsustainable industries such as coal mining, beef farming, logging, and oil and gas. When I see lobbyists of the Alberta government, of the UCP, partnering with Bill Gates on carbon capture, that's a problem. I, I take exception to that, to know that 70% of carbon capture projects are funded by the taxpayer, that the UCP were working with Trudeau in the last two years, that 30-some billion dollars of taxpayer money are coming to these carbon capture nonsense as fraud. It's fraud. Yeah, I get, I get upset because it's hurting Albertans to shut down our coal-fired electricity these monstrosities of, of these wind turbines. Look at Germany. I mean, if, you, don't, you don't have to do much research to see that we're on the wrong path. So when I joined the, in building the UCP and advocating for the building of pipelines and rail, I didn't understand who truly brought this climate change nonsense to our nation and our province. Yes, the liberals and the NDP embrace it, absolutely. But it was 100% Stephen Harper, Brian Mulroney, that laid the foundation to this, that have blocked opportunity, that have given, out, given away our sovereignty and our prosperity to who? To people that profit the most, not for the people, not for the... So going to uh, visit, you know, northern uh, First Nation communities, one comment resonated passionately in me today, and I'll never forget it. We were having this discussion, and this individual said, Bob, when are we going to get our opportunity? So in, in uh, cameras, I, I speak very bluntly with the climate change nonsense. I call it climate change carbon tax funded fraud. I was approached by a woman after the, the, uh, the forum. And she was upset. She said, why do you speak so harshly like that? I said, because for far too long, we were complacent in this conversation. We didn't demand to have the conversation of climate change. And she said, can I speak to you about this? Absolutely. Here's my card. Three days later, she called me. I pulled over because I love talking to people. I love challenging ideas and having these conversations. I'm not just ingrained and set in my ways. 
I want to get to the truth of this. And uh, I said, before we get started, I just wanted to say a couple of things. You are, you obviously are an intelligent person. I appreciate your passion, but let's have the conversation about CO2 first. Can we do that? Sure. That's the conversation we never had. That's the conversation that these politicians never allowed us to have. It's a lie. In my conversation with Mike Hume, I can honestly say this is fraud. He left the IPCC on the implementation of this carbon tax nonsense of this fraud because he understands very well CO2 has nothing to do with climate change. The climate changes naturally, it always has. Follow uh, Patrick Moore for all of that evidence, all that information. There's no correlation between temperature and CO2. And without CO2, without that miracle building block of life, we're gone. All life on earth is gone. 140 parts per million or less, it's done. Sorry, 180 parts per million. So now we're now we're been conned, manipulated a lot of people, deceived into being scared of this. They use fear as a tactic, politicians, parties, divide and conquer tactics, getting us fighting about this stuff. But I just want to sit down and let's just throw the evidence on the table. Anybody, even what you know, that challenged me and challenging the politicians, let's have a public forum. Please, let's give people the opportunity to come to a town hall and put our evidence on the table, let the people decide. Don't con them to say that we shouldn't split the vote. Don't con them that way because we're just continuing to lead us down to a road to a dead end. Nothing's gonna change, nothing. Two parties, two party system. It's, uh, it's led to this time and you know, Switzerland is a good example, independent representatives. They come to the table as independent voices of their communities. Excellent. Let's do that. Let's and go yet back they've to that and and yet they've housed probably the most evil man since Hitler. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that wild? I know. Right? Like you, yeah. the one government you pick out of, like man, they got it right. Home of the WEF. Yeah. Home of the UN. WHO. Home of the WHO. Yeah. It's like, do they realize they're fucking over humanity right now? I think people are waking up to that. I know in the COVID conversation, it was. Uh, it's been hopeful, you know, people that were duped and misled by fear again, that their cameras was amazing. The conversations I had, these, you know. You know, the hardest, the hardest thing, um, here I say it again, it reminds me of, uh, you remind me of Roger Hodkinson, uh, and I mean that in the best possible way, but uh, I remember he uh, came in, uh, I don't know, what was that, August 2021? I'd literally just started talking openly, allowing people to come in and talk openly. I've been like, something is very off here. Right. What are we, where are we going? And I always say he yelled at me for an hour. <laughs> and I mean, I mean that in the best possible way, right? But I'm like, he verbally held me against the wall. And I, I kept, and he said something that, you know, has stuck with me ever since. You know, you can't two-step this. You can't step around the problem. And I find myself trying to listen to you, but getting taken back to that conversation of like, um, what you're talking about, lots of us are staring at. And what we just saw happen with the UCP, all right, well, there's some progress. Right. And Bob's going, that ain't progress. And I'm going, well, if that ain't progress, what the hell is progress? You know, it's like, 
get involved. So people went and got involved. People are getting involved all over the bloody place, right? They're getting on school boards. They're getting on all yep. this. They're getting here, and they are getting involved, man. Isn't that what you want to see? So I, I asked this question, Sean. Everybody talks unity, <coughs> getting involved. Um, unity and what? Behind what? And getting involved in what? If it's uh, getting involved in keeping this abusive, um, tyrannical structure moving in the same direction, no thank you. Want nothing to do with that. What we were facing from the political operatives, and that's what they are, paid political operatives, to pull people over to that, to say, don't have any hope in that organization. Just come here and work from within. We can change it from within. And first... So you're talking strictly take back Alberta? Yeah, take back Alberta. Yeah, 100%. I don't know of another... Yeah, so, so David Parker, I mean, he's good at what he does. Absolutely. He's a good organizer. He, uh, he's worked for Stephen Harper since he was 23 years old. He's well-trained. His last federal campaign was uh, Aaron O'Toole's leadership run, uh, Take Back Canada. It's a repetition of, uh, you know, getting people to, you know, yay, we're cheer on the blue or whatever. And he's good at it. But the fir- I was invited to one of the original Take Back Alberta events down in Coaldale. I didn't know what it was. So at that time, I was part of an organization. I was a co-founder, uh, the former president, and one of the uh, benef- original benefactors of the Alberta Prosperity Project. And so we were going to have our launch in uh, Foremost, Alberta. And I made it down to Coots finally um, the last two days. And it was, it was a sad time to see because it was at the time when it was just, you know, the, I walked in there and I'm like, wow, this is hard to, to watch. It's like you could see the, the sadness and uh, the fear. And, you know, people are hanging their heads. And I, I put up my hand. I was in the back of the room and I just I started speaking. And, and one of the organizers called me up to the front. And what I said was, I came here to thank you guys, all of you, for doing what you did. And that's all I said. And then this organizer said, you need to come speak at this event in Coldale Thursday night. Sure. I thought, good, I'll promote our event. I, may, I always made up little flyers, right? And so I, I drive up to this big shop, and there's like tons of cars. And I walk in, there's 300 people. There. I'm like, what the heck is this? And I, I thought, oh, there's Drew Barnes. And uh, I'm like, hmm. So I just started handing out my little flyers and as I'm handing it out they're up there talking I'm like that's kind of what we're saying and I'm like whatever and I'm handing out then somebody comes running up to me that knew me because we started as the Alberta Unity Project it was hijacked from within and destroyed and then we pivoted over to this Alberta Prosperity Project and this individual runs up to me said Bob they're saying what you're saying I said yeah but they don't mean it and he laughed he goes yeah I hear you so I go up to speak. Uh, they want, the organizer wanted me to speak last. And uh, I'm waiting, and there's two individuals standing in front of me. And I'm kind of sitting, standing right behind them. And it was, I didn't know it at the time, but it was two of the original first organizers that Parker recruited, you know, these super organizers, he calls them. And uh, Bob and, uh, oh, dang it, can't remember. Anyways, doesn't matter. So I'm standing there, and this individual comes up to them, who's this? And it was my little poster. I said, oh, I just leaned in. That's, that's me. That's us. And they spun around, Kirk. And uh, who are you? 
And I was like, I'm Bob Blount. And one of them goes, oh, and walks away. I'm like, what? And the other guy was in my face. <laughs> He's a Bob, about my size. And he just like leans in. What the hell are you doing here? What are you going to speak about? And I'm like, I just leaned back and said, pardon me? He goes, this is our event. I said, I was invited to speak here. And I'll, and I'll speak. And, pe- and so the organizer's up. He's, he's like doing this. I went, and he goes, what are you going to talk about? And he did the exact the wrong thing. I said, you'll hear what I have to say in about 20 seconds. And what I was going to do originally was just say, hey, we're having this event. We've got this organization. You know, you're welcome to come. But no. What I, and I instantly understood what was going on. I got up and it was on the back of a truck. And I said, let me tell you something here. I said, these, poli- these politicians and political operatives, and I pointed at Drew and these two guys, and they literally, they turned around. <laughs> I said, they have come to you and they want to use you like I was used. I said, let me tell you, there's 63, not one, not one MLA in Kenny. There's 63 MLAs in that legislature that could end this today. Why are they coming to you? They're going to use you. And they're nodding their heads, and they th- right? They use people. In my conversation with Parker, one, he came out swinging. Now, I wasn't criticizing him. I didn't know him. I was criticizing these politics of doing this. So I was asked to meet with him in uh, early 2022. Uh, Chris Scott was the first one to ask me. And I said, no, Chris, I don't want to, no. Why would I do that? I mean, if I'm going to do that, I'll go back to the UCP. No, thank you. And then Dennis Modray. Bob, would you meet with David Parker? Sure. I'll meet with anybody and have a conversation. So an hour later, I'm in the Zoom meeting. Parker, Modray, and myself. And Parker came out swinging at me. <laughs> He's like... Um, he said, I'm not working with this guy. And there, that wasn't the conversation because I had no intentions of working with him. He, I'm not working with this guy. And then he unloaded, F you, and just like that, F you. I'm like, Dennis, look at this guy. I don't have time for this. I was putting in very long days. Haven't taken a penny, by the way, in doing what I'm doing. My wife and I have put out a lot of our capital. We put on 500,000 kilometers in our vehicles traveling to Alberta. I don't want anything. All I'm doing is try to inspire change for the people, right? And I didn't, I'm glad I didn't hang up. I just put it on mute and I sat back. And then I learned all the structure of Take Back Alberta. This is a quote. So Dennis asked the question first, who are string pullers behind the scenes to the premier. Michael Binion was one, junior energy tycoon, done very well in Alberta. Murray Edwards is another one, founder and chair of Canadian Natural Resources. Those are two. Really close to Harper and Kenny, both of them. Carbon capture, all of that. And then Parker said he used to work for Binion. Um, He was a part owner of Western Standard. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Um, And then he explained the structure of of Take Back Alberta. He said, the person behind this is very, 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 very connected 
there's a lot of money behind this. Why do you think this is happening? And I'm like, wow, here we go again. And then he said something else that really stuck with me. When you, in politics, when you show up with people, you show up with power. When he was explaining the structure of Take Back Alberta, the super organizers, they'll be super organizers. And when they lose quota, people, you'll be demoted. Really? So it's a matter of bringing people to keep this organization, this power structure going. It's not about bringing change. It isn't. In my meetings with Rob Anderson, we had a meeting with him, Free Alberta Strategy, where the Sovereignty Act came from. That was shortly after the leadership review of Kenny was decided. Dennis rolled through all the reasons why the Sovereignty Act will fail. It's a dead-end road, 100%. And then he said, Bob, I know you have a few things to say. I said, I sure do. Now keep in mind, Rob Anderson is a cross the floor this way. He went from the PCs to the Wild Rose, back when Daniel Smith was leader, back to the PCs. Destroyed that so-called grassroots movement. Boom, gone. That was Rob Anderson. So what I, I said to Rob, I said, so if I'm hearing you right, these 15 or 17, you know, so-called good MLAs, you're going to now pull back, shelter in place, wait for the UCP leadership race. Is that right? Yes. I said, okay. So when that day comes and Kenny doesn't go anywhere, and he didn't, he stayed behind the scenes. Just like his former staff, chief of staff did, stayed behind the scenes, pulling the strings. I said, what is your fall, or asked, what is your fallback plan? Right, if you got these MLAs that want to make change, you got to have a fallback plan. You got to have another organization to go to. Yeah, I hear you, Bob, I hear you. There was never, ever any intention of taking down this conservative power structure of Canada. Alberta's not being, this UCP party is not independent. They are controlled by the conservative power structure of Canada. This is their breadbasket. Without Alberta, they're done. Right? The money, all of it. I've met with big lobbyists. I've challenged them on this. I said, you keep playing politics this way, you will enslave your children and your grandchildren. Stop it. It's not working. People are, anyways, it's going to play out, Sean. It, I, I know I'm not a naive anymore. It's going to, people are going to have to go through this process again and again. With Take Back Alberta mm-hmm. and, and Parker, no Kenny. Even if he is in the back strings, he's no longer the premier. Agreed? Um, no, I won't say agreed because, again, if he's still in the background pulling the strings, he's not gone. I want to talk about, sorry, uh, let me get to one other point. The former chief of staff to Kenny, who was that? He was born and raised in Lethbridge. And my, the reason why I had so much inside behind the scenes access, and I, I dedicated my time and energy, I really did, I dove right in. My MLA was a six-year staffer when Kenny was in Ottawa as a minister, okay? So political operative. And then he was parachuted into the Peace Region. The day that Kenny won the original UCP leadership race, the man that would become his chief of staff that I didn't know that was going to happen with this guy, 
Dan said, his name is Jamie. Jamie paused his very lucrative private sector career to come back to Alberta to help with intent, right? He wanted me to like the guy, and I did. And so, you know, we had lots of conversations. And and then when I walked away from the UCP, it was May 14th, 2020, and then I started researching what was going on. It was Halloween night of 2020 where I understood where Jamie came from. And this is where he came from, the so-called conservative chief of staff. From 2010 to 2015, he was the vice president of an organization called Gerson Larman Group of New York City. It's just another global lobby organization, communication, right, uh, network. On the board of directors, Barack Obama's former campaign manager, Hillary Clinton's former campaign manager, the former Democrat National Committee chairman, and Joseph Stiglitz, and I'll get to him in a second, the the recently former CEO of Pfizer. So Joseph Stiglitz, who is that? He is the... uh, a former chief economist at the World Bank. He was with the World Economic Forum since 1995. He was, uh, he was an architect of carbon taxes. Um, he is a promoter of, they used to call it the Green New Deal, and then it became the Great Reset, and it's just transition. That's what it is. That's what we're living in, this energy transition. That's where the chief of staff came from. And back to, was, you know, 2014... And I need to get to a really important point out. In 2014 was when the PC Alberta government started working with the World Economic Forum in energy and climate change talks when Alison Redford was the premier. Daniel Smith, as the leader of the Wild Roses at that time, was very upset because the meeting was delayed, and she vocalized that. That's in the, in the document. The structure of globalism, of the power structure, is, you know, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the Schiffs, the Warburgs, all the top, you know, bankers at the top. And then you got the Club of Rome, and then it's the Bilderberg Group. And the Bilderberg Group was the first level of uh, a globalist organization our politicians were going to. Stephen Harper attended that, those meetings, Jason Kenney, uh, Alison Redford, and even the former Premier of Saskatchewan, Brad Wall, was attending those meetings. Off the Bilderberg Group, you have the Trilateral Commission, the governing body. And that's where Mark Carney is. Mark Carney is a former governor of Bank of Canada, Bank of England. Very powerful globalist. And then off the other arm is the World Economic Forum, the operating branch, which has infiltrated all levels of our society. It's, it's, I mean, it's going to happen, Sean. It's, there's no stopping this. It's so entrenched. And uh, that's where Harper was. Uh, he was sending five ministers. Have you met a guy named Grant Abraham? Grant Abraham, no. I don't think so. I'll send you with uh, some some listening on the ride home. How's that? Sure. He was yeah. literally just on the podcast. Okay. And I'm like, like, are these two guys? You you don't know who that is? No. Okay. I know, like Mark Friesen. Uh, I discovered Mark, and I know Mark is 20 years. He's been watching this. I've had the conversation with Christine Anderson, uh, the German UK parliamentarian in yes. Calgary. Yep. Here's what happened there. So anyway, so that's the structure globally. Sorry. Harper, yeah. Harper was. I'll just I'm, finish I'm with derailing this. you, and I don't no, mean I w- to derail but, you. But you I brought just... up a good point. Um, Harper was sending five ministers to the World Economic Forum summits. They weren't there observing. They were literally running meetings for the World Economic Forum to talk about this new world order, they called it. This, right? It's the new global context, which is the new world order. And, uh, but with Christine, it was in Calgary. Uh, when was that now? Last year. And we were at the uh, Southside Victory Church. It was a rebel... I think Rebel hosted her. But anyways, so I got VIP tickets and, you know, 
I didn't go in. I could have went into the VIP room to, I hand, literally hand-delivered my document to her. And, um, but I waited. She came out and I walked up to her and I said, I'd just like to, you know, introduce myself and who I was. And I said, I'd like to present you with this information. And one of the handlers literally come running over and ripped it out of her hands. And I'm like, what is going on? And then whisked her away. She goes, Bob, I told you I already sent this to her and whisked her away. And I'm like, what just happened? So I go and I'm just like floored. And then a friend of mine comes up to me, what's the matter? She could tell. And I'm like, I just told her what happened. She says, no, 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 you need to talk to Christine. So we go back and she's outside on the balcony. She opens up the door. Christine spins around. I already know who this guy is. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> so She's upset. But whatever was told to her, right, was said to her, poison the well. Just so everybody knows, Christine Anderson is the, the German-UK parliamentarian that said in, in the parliament, Trudeau, you're a disgrace to democracy. Spare us your presence. She declined a meeting with Daniel Smith, or Daniel Smith declined a meeting with Christine Anderson. Many asks were made, and it was a no. Polivar Can I just speak? Because one thing has always bothered me about her coming at that time. Mm-hmm. You want to know why it bothered me? Why? I went because they were in the middle of an election. It was right. It was right before the election. Because I remember thinking, why would she come to Alberta of all places at that time? Yeah. And you go, Daniel Smith. You just got to meet her. And I'm going. Now this is how I view it. So Bob, have at her. I looked at it and I went, if this is as tight, everybody's as afraid that NDP are about to to win and everything, and they've just slandered Christine Anderson under the sun. You know, like. Created her into this image of like the Antichrist, if you would. Yeah. And I go, it, in my brain, I go, it's probably best Daniel Smith. I didn't, I want to be very clear, I did not say this to anyone. I'm just sitting there watching this, going, it's probably in her best interest not to take the meeting this time around. And the reason is, she's got to win an election. And we go, take the meeting because of whatever. But I mean, at that point in time, the entire world, like all of Canada, was slandering. Um, Danielle Smith like and everything she did even you know like stepping a, a toe across the line on anything the entire media world and you're shaking your head at me like I, so I'm not, I'll speak to that I'll speak to this fear of the media we know the media is, is, is I agree unhinged. Uh, is, 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 so I agree. Here's, here's, a, here's a conversation I had with uh, first of all it was behind the scenes meeting it was closed door that's all it was it wasn't a public event she just wanted to have a conversation to warn her Okay, when it comes to the media, in the first year, helping to organize rallies and, and whatnot, and uh, I was frustrated because we couldn't get media that naive. And so we had a podcaster and whatnot. And so, you know, I'm, sorry, I'm going to stick on this for a second. Yeah. You think Christine Anderson is the real deal then? Oh, absolutely. Just just educating people on what, what does this mean? What do they want to do? Do they want to, you know, what does this uh, agenda really mean for your sovereignty? for your prosperity, yep. who's at the top of this. And she, when I got a, first of all, when I, that night, I got, I'm going all over the place here, but that evening we went to the petroleum club for the evening event and uh, the, the day finished amazing. I met a lot of people, yep. you know, it was a great day, great evening. And then we're sitting down and having a coffee and the dessert and the, the speeches are wrapping up and then they opened up the, the mic, the Q and A. And so I, I went up and I asked my question and it said, Christine, the only, what I wanted to ask you today, and it's recorded, what I wanted to ask you today is if you understood how this agenda came to our province and our nation. And she smiles, she comes to the mic. She said, 
the politicians and political parties are not important because they are all puppets to those pulling the strings. And that's her point. And that's, that's always been our point, too. Just tell the people what's going on. Let them decide. When it comes to the media and being scared of the media. Well, I'm no longer scared of the no, media. No, no, but, but I'm talking in general. Like yeah, the, yeah, no, yeah. no, the fear, the political fear yeah. of, the, oh, they're going to do this. Come on. In the first year, and, tr- and I reached out to journalists. I had conversations with Don Braid. And they reached out to me, actually. Don Braid from the Calgary Herald, Kelly Kreiderman from Globe and Mail. Both of them called me. I, I'm not joking. Similar conversations. I read your Facebook post. I'm like, what? What are you calling me for? Here, I'll give you the numbers of these guys directly. You talk to them. And then, you know, we weren't getting any media traction in doing what we're doing. Anyways, so I I phoned a a retired journalist, and I was like, frustrated. He's like, Bob, listen to me. The general public doesn't watch that anymore. Don't worry about it. So I say the same thing to politicians. I said the same thing to Lowen. What are you scared of? Yeah. Who's watching that? garbage cbc ctv global really nobody or nobody a very so small i say percentage. that's that's a that yeah. is a, n- a null and void argument it doesn't no, i yeah. just go, i go yeah. back to the christine anderson thing at that time my thought was why would she come right now why would she come she knows she's a she's a a, a hot topic you know everything if i sit here now i go everything under the sun is a hot topic but at that time i was sitting there going as a common Look at what I do. I literally, you know, like how many people have we pissed off this morning? Quite a few. Well, right? so uh, with that, why does she come here? Um, she and knows. Not why did she come here. Yeah. Why, you, you, you uh, point to all these people being political operatives, right? Mm-hmm. Why did she come at that point? At that point. The, to, to come through Canada, it's like, no, great. I, I, I think it's great. But then to demand a meeting with, with the... Uh, the prime minister or they were you know in the middle of trying to be you know trying to be prime minister again I'm like that just seems like an odd time like don't you want daniel smith to win so that you can walk in and have your meeting and and go and be like well, unless unless she knows uh the actual truth of the matter of what's going on really in alberta and canada right unless she's trying to prove a point for the people. Well, that's but that's for the people's but, sake. But uh, then I guess I go. Well, Christine Anderson, come on the show because I I just want to know. To me, that seems you know when I look at all the, the 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 players and everything going on, I'm like that one seems strange to me. It just seems strange. It's like in the middle of a run up to an election where it's supposedly billed as as close as it gets, and within you know a thin line of 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 winning. Right? I mean, they did lose seats and everything else. And when you think about it, what did people? Some of the people talked to me said is they had to vote for people they did not want to vote for because they had literally put all the lockdowns and mandates on them and they're voting for them because they couldn't see another way out. This is something to what you've talked about right at the start. Because it was blocked from happening. A new, another option, another path. There's never been any intention of creating another option for people to decide, you know what, enough of these two legacy parties, let's give this a shot. So when it comes to Christine Anderson coming that time, I'd just like to know. Ask I'd like you. to know if so it was you, her. You, you got to ask her the question. Well, exactly. Or, and, and you know, and the thing is, with all the people that you've like, you know, like it's like, I, you know, I sit here and I go like, I find this very fascinating, right? Because I know lots of these people. Lots of these people have actually come on the show, so I know I when they come back on, I can imagine, you know, take Shane Getzen for example. Shane's going to be on the show here in a couple weeks' time, I believe. Perfect. And I go well. I guess I get to ask him a couple questions. And yep. Shane's been, if there's been one thing I've enjoyed about him, 
is he's never not answered a question. I don't think, folks. Like, I got I to gotta think about this, but I'm like, I don't think he's, you know, even the COVID thing. I laughed at him at that time, right? But I want to know when he got a shot now. Because I'm like, did you did you know at that time? that? Because to me, that's a very big accusation. Well, how about this? The fact that he met with one of the co-inventors of the technology, with Dr. McCullough, Dr. Alexander. Yeah, like, uh, to that me. That he had the opportunity to, at the very least, and this was, this was my thing, at the very least start a conversation. Albertans deserve that. Canadians deserve that. To give them this opportunity. And the way my brain played that out was when we had our first conversation, he wasn't vaccinated yet. But what you're saying, right? Uh, add in the conversations and everything else. But what you're saying is he was vaccinated over here, had his, his, he was injured at that point in time. He knew about it, then came on the podcast and said nothing about it until the timing was right. So put, put it this way. To so me, he, that's he, a question he, he, he needs meets, to be asked. He meets with these, again, these international leaders, and they warned him, stop, shut it down. Do you think he would take the jab after that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. People, people did really strange things. I'll put it to you this way, Bob. I interviewed all of them, and you talked to the book club. There's, there's five of us that meet once a week. Yeah. And once a day for a month, I called, and I had to be talked off a ledge about getting the shot. So actually, I, maybe. I'm doing this stupid show. That's how hard the, the, the friggin' pressure got in the middle of COVID, where my brain, no matter how much good information was bringing in, now how many times I sat across from all these wonderful people saying, don't do this, my brain went, like, I just, I just can't take this anymore. The, the, the pressure was just right. was building and building and building and building and building and building, and it would not relent. It would not relent. So I, being in the position that they were in, like it's one thing for us as, as uh, people, as citizens, but the amount of information would have been a fire hose for them, and it was a question I asked everyone. Even So a doctor friend of mine that we, you know, 34-year cardiologist, a very, very good doctor, beautiful man, he wasn't happy with me um, for the position I took. Having, we're watching TV one night and I had this thought, you know, came to call Dave. So I called him up and he's like, good timing, Bob. And, uh, but my question to everyone that took opposing sides is like, wait, before we get started, where have you been getting your information from? AHS. Thank you. Good. So that was, that's always been my thing, right? Because understanding very early, who was Dean Henshaw? Practice a year and a half of family medicine trained bureaucrat that's it so i'm like even with my conversation with nathan cooper when i held up my the list of these experts he said bob i have experts too i said oh who's that i can't tell you <laughs> i was like what why can't you tell me he, he and he goes i said where are they at well one's in edmonton i said well who is it i can't tell you everybody chose to remain ignorant that's the decision they made. If you decided to follow a family doctor of a year and a half without doing your due diligence when these people are throwing this information at you and you discern through this, you know, who was, who was okay, well, yeah, okay, here it is, right here. Here's these guys, John Einides. That's who I was, my original. The Einstein of the day, 87th most cited scientist of all time. The, <laughs> he is the guy, and he was sounding the alarm right at the beginning. Same as Dr. Mike Eden. 17-year former vice president of Pfizer. I went, yeah, I'm going to kind of listen to these guys here. I'm not going to listen to a bureaucrat. 
I'm not certainly not going to listen to a government that's trying to shove this in my arm and my family's arm. No, thanks. But so these, my point is this: these I, politicians I, had that opportunity. Yes. When it comes to um, when it comes to the politicians, the government, I 100% agree with you. To the everyday average person, what we can glaze over is the amount of pressure that was put on by said government, by mm-hmm. said media, media, and yeah. then by the common man. By oh, yeah. just the Friend, everyday individual, I, I, friends, and everything else. It was insane. I want to put about 20 explicitives in front of insane because it was. And we sit here and we go, yeah, should have got it right. And it's like, mm, I don't know about that. I sat in this chair. I interviewed all these people. I'm telling you how close I came. I came bloody close. Joel freaking Rogan. What, a, the most powerful man in free speech right now was getting it and missed his his freaking appointment and that's that's the difference like that close jordan peterson one of the most sounding the alarm bell for everything vaccinated yeah like this this isn't is but you know it's interesting you bring up a name that i met also sure right jordan behind the scenes in edmonton and uh i i don't know i see this the art Mm. group that they started and they i just have concerns or i really do uh, of but anytime, anytime you start a group like that, Bob, would you not agree? Because you've seen this. No matter how good at the core, mm-hmm. <laughs> you think the WEF is going to let the ARC bring in a thousand or two thousand or three thousand people and not stick a couple of people hidden in there? It's like, folks, we can all agree that there's a couple of bad apples in there. All I got to do is talk to Wild Rose people. I know them. Well, not all of them, but I know a lot of them. Yeah. All right. I know other people that have tried starting up different organizations. And what happens? I mean Infiltration. Infiltration. Yeah. It's 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 not that rocket science. Yeah. It's actually pretty That's what we're facing humanity globally is is uh, again, getting to the truth. Um not a, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I I'm 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 just So we face rough times where Politicians, and I'll stick to the politicians again. One of the lines that I've been fed a lot is if we I wasn't there, it would have been way worse. It was pretty freaking bad, right? It was pretty freaking bad, you know? Like when I think of where I was at and people have started to hear part of my story come out, they, every, and, and I go, everywhere I go, I meet people who go like, thank you for what you did. And I go, I didn't do anything. All I did was flip and talk to somebody and allow them to speak. Good. And and not understand half what they're saying and almost go against their advice. You know, that's what I did. There's nothing, no hero here. I just literally am once again doing this all over again. And so I look at some of the players we got and is there infiltration? Certainly is. Like, let's not kid ourselves at this point. I'm I'm rolling all over the place here and I apologize. With Take Back Alberta in particular, let's start there. They did help get Kenny removed. Yes? (laughs) I'm not going to relent on that. Sure. Did they? Did he? I mean, he bowed out because uh, obviously he didn't have the support. But he's still behind the scenes. He's still behind the he's scenes. Still behind the scenes. He's still behind the scenes. What would it take? Uh, what would it take to show that he is no longer behind the scenes? Is there anything that can be done, Bob, from your eyes? Yeah. You're just like, here, yeah. snip, and Abs- they could do this tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, is following the advice of uh, Dr. Mackis dissolving the college number one to set the example for Canada. Um, is Kenny a part of the college? Sorry. No, but I mean, it's uh, 
to allow these bureaucrats to rule over Albertans. I know they're saying they're going to, you know, restructure AHS and that, but are they going to restructure the college? I doubt it. I doubt it. And maybe I'm wrong, but that, at the heart of the public health system, Sean, that's the problem, that our doctors are not free to be doctors. But we're going to stick on Kenny just for a second. Sure. Because I went, we got Kenny out. That felt like a pretty good moment. I couldn't believe it. I think a lot of people couldn't believe that Jason Kenny was no longer there. So here's my, here's my point on that. I won't celebrate that because right. he's one politician. The whole, all those other politicians are still there. They're still not being held accountable for what they did, right? And people say, I hear that, that it could have been worse than the NDP. Really? How many pastors got arrested? There's still people in prison. Were you allowed? Do you, yeah, hmm. Right? It, people yes. have died for not yes. being, and, and Daniel Smith was the one. And Take Back Alberta supported that, that they didn't fight for Sheila and Annette Lewis. Daniel Smith did that. The UCP did that. Not Kenny. So I'm, I don't. I didn't celebrate that because what was there to celebrate? Nothing changed. Well, what's, what's the win? Off of getting Kenny out. Yeah. What What was the win there? Nothing changed. I mean, it was like, yeah, Kenny's gone. Okay. So even this the the ruling here with the Romaine ruling, everybody celebrated that. I'm like, what did you celebrate for? Did you listen to the ruling? This new international health treaty is coming forward, right? The yeah. amendment to the, the international uh, this is health the one, regulation. This, 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 is is, the one, this is as bad as it gets, Sean. This is the one that Leslie Lewis has the petition out against. Correct? Okay. Uh, no, wasn't it the... Uh, okay. Let's right, the WHO put, pandemic treaty? Yeah. Are, are we talking two different things? Or are we talking the same well, thing? I thought she was opposing the World Economic Forum. No, okay. WHO uh, health treaty. Okay. Pandemic so, treaty. So, but with... What's structured in Alberta now, Bill 10 became Bill 24, which became Bill 66, which became the new version of the Public Health Act, right? In her ruling, Judge Romaine said that the, the, it wasn't that the facts that the, uh, the mandates were unconstitutional. It was who was giving the Enacted orders. Enacted it. It was okay. the politicians, not the So now guess what health. happens. And so it, it was already, the table's already set. When Harper brought in the World Health Organization International Health Regulations in 2009, that far, that long ago, read through that. Any Canadians returning to Canada faced quarantine, right? I met somebody in Red Deer that they got an $8,000 ticket. That was already there. And so now what this top court in Alberta said in the next pandemic, and Daniel Smith already agreed with this, the legislature will have no power. It'll be the chief medical officer of health that will have full power over the government. So tell me what is there to celebrate? Nothing. So now this UCP government has formed this. Could, could you not say the, the thing to celebrate is that there is a chink in the armor? And What's the chink? Is that they've shown that now it's going to be the chief medical officer that gets all the powers. So in government, you should be able to write laws back into place so that don't allow any of that. And are they? They should be doing that like the uh, next day. I they should have went, whoa, whoa, whoa. I actually agree with Let's you. Let's restructure this. Nope. They're like, Daniel's like, yeah, that's right. That's what, how it's going to work. Oh, so now you just identified this problem and you're choosing to ignore it now? What is there to celebrate? Nothing. What they just demonstrated to me. Here's another bill that was coming through. This kangaroo court they're setting up. So you get a traffic ticket for a thousand bucks. Guilty. 
you're guilty. And your only chance of recourse is to call in, and it's not here, it's not all the way in yet. I think it's past two stages, but that's the level they were taking this to. And so now with public health, which is way too powerful, which has a $22, $23 billion budget, as Dr. Mack has called it. I think these, it's $26 billion, isn't it? Is, yeah, whatever. It's, it's obscene. It's an obscene number. Yeah. yeah, and so what does he call this? A mafia, mafioso. He names names of these top executives that are ruling that HS structure. What has changed? Nothing. So they took well, Hinshaw, gone. Put Mark Joffe in power. The man that says, if you're not, if you haven't received a COVID booster, don't walk, run. Nothing's changed. They're still going along with this climate change lunacy. Fully, fully embraced it. Partnered on it. December 2022, they tripled the in, they're tripling the industrial carbon tax. In line, they said, with the federal government. Sonia Savage at the time says they might, they, she was questioned on the uh, oil sands emissions cap. She said, we'll probably lower it actually. Hmm. No surprise to me because the person that uh, Bill Gates and Murray Edwards put in charge of that organization that holds the patent on carbon capture, his name is David Keith. He was brought into Canada by Paul Martin, and uh, David Keith is with the IPCC also, co-wrote, co-authored reports, and he's no friend of Alberta. So these, you know, these energy tycoons are looking after their own interests. We're still getting nothing for our very valuable oil, heavy oil, oil sands, that produces, you know, 6,000 products emanate from barrel heavy oil. Are they advocating for that? No, they're, they're, we're selling our product at pennies on the dollar. And it's a comment I made in a debate in Medicine Hat. I said, what? there's a teacher's union. I said, I know you guys need money. A 1% increase a year is not doing it. I know family members and friends that are teachers that are pulling money out of their own pockets, educating our children. We all need money. We all need prosperity. Where's that gonna come from? Windmills, solar panels? No, wouldn't it be good if, you know, I said this, to have refineries down in southern Alberta? Wouldn't that be good? Creating prosperity, creating wealth. But no, now we're on this path of net zero. And every time I drive down and I see these monstrosities of these wind turbines. Well, you don't even have to drive that far. From here, you probably passed a few on the way. And talking to people involved in that industry behind the scenes that are whistleblowers, it's insane. They know it. And I said, and they're trying to, don't apologize for doing what you need to do to put food on your family's table. Same with people being forced vaccinated. Don't apologize for that. You had to do a, you took a risk for your family. That's very noble. But at some point in time, I would hope that these politicians could start fighting for the people of Alberta rather than falling in line to this lobbyists. That's, that's, the, that's it, that's all. So no, I don't celebrate the, you know, one politician kind of quietly walking away behind the scenes no, no, no. Never, ever. It needs to. And when I say tear it down, is it tearing it down? Or is it just giving Albertans the truth, Mr. Parker, of what's happening? Just give them that. Celebrating this as a win? It's not a win. People are being hurt by this political theater, this illusion that things are changing. It needs to change today, not the next AGM, not the next leadership race, not the next election cycle. Today. Knock it off. 
And if you want to stand up for Albertans, stand up for them. Stop. He's, he's, he's playing the game, politics. I'm starting to get emotional now. But when Dana and I, my wife and I, vocalized our absolute disgust to Todd Lowen and Samantha and Nathan, what we saw in our Alberta legislature, and Samantha's response was, and I'll never forget it, it's like, oh, really? I love that. I love politics. I don't love what I'm doing, Sean. Dane and I thought we'd be traveling the world, enjoying our life at this stage in our, in our life, right? We worked hard. I don't love politics. Anybody that loves us and looks at it as, as a game, something's wrong. Those are the wrong people to be involved in politics then. That's my point. It's very easy. Samantha said something else. She has a, enough evidence, emails, texts, recordings, to burn the UCP down to the ground. Do you know how bad it is behind the scenes? These are not moral people. It's a big party. One of the things I advocated against was this army of political staffers that are, what do they do? Twitter, social media. The NDP had 138, I think, of these people. Paying them a lot of money to, to cheer them on on social media. That comes off out of the pockets of Alberta taxpayers. And that's wrong. So when the UCP won, they retracted a bit, and then they grew it again. Always campaigning. Always. Perpetual. While everything's falling apart, everybody knows it. NDP so where, supporters. Where do you think, um, you've, you've obviously given this a lot of thought, right? And you've, you've been traveling Alberta, talking mm-hmm. to people. Uh, you know, um, I just had on uh, Martin Armstrong, and he was talking about 2030, 2032, and his computer Socrates and, and kind of, you know, laying out these are big key moments that are coming. When you look at, uh, you know, like I don't, I highly doubt I need to explain 2030. Um, when you look at where we're heading and that the players are changing, but the agenda is not, where do you think we're heading then? Like I said, it's inevitable. It's going to happen, but it's going to fall apart. People are not going to put up with it at the end of the day, but until it starts affecting people, right, on the, like, the, like the, the mandates and everything we're affecting, that's when people stood up and said no more. Um, the climate change nonsense, the, the restructuring of our energy basket, um, we're doing the same thing, Germany. It's going to fall apart. It's going to happen. And then hopefully there'll be a pivot. I mean, the rise and fall of humanity is nothing new at all when the tyrants take over and they start looking after their own interests and then people start getting hurt as people are today, eventually it's going to fall apart and people will stand up and say enough. And that's my hope is, is to have something ready, have an idea ready that people can finally say, okay, this has hurt us for far too long. We get it, Bob. We understand. Um, let's go. And I, until people make that decision on their own as you know, as, as the uh, population, nothing will change. When they stop falling for the political theater of vote splitting and all that, when they start voting from a place of moral conscience, then things will change. But I promise you, I st- both sides are saying it right now. They know it's broken, but there's no other options. So I come to them in that region with the idea of, you know what, support this idea so we can get in there and my what I said over and over. I just want to start the conversations. I wanted to say, okay, this is an issue. Let's sit down and, and 
solve this. But there's no interest in that. It's perpetual campaigning. As our, you know, the pillars of our society are falling apart, our children are being hurt. Um, people are getting involved at a local level, and that's good to see. But politically, where the change truly comes from, provincially, that's the game. Yeah, get them involved municipally. What are they going to do over there? The real structure changes comes provincially and federally, right? To change laws, to actually protect people and advocate for people. That's another game. So I don't disagree with people getting involved in their school boards and all that, but the policies come from here. I was at a, in uh, Brooks at the, uh, one of the municipality meetings where people were voicing their concerns for the land use changes. And they did great. I just went and I observed and I, and I went to these, the, these residents after. I said, great job, you know, vocalizing your concerns. But did you hear what that Reeve said, the last comment? No. We will continue uh, listening to you and meeting and talking. But when it starts coming from higher levels of government, there's nothing we can do. So people are, you know, they, they're putting in this time and energy at a local level. Awesome. But understand where the true power comes from. The only thing I would say against that is in COVID, it was um, the local school boards who enacted what was pushed down, and they had votes against that. And so we saw it, Northwest School Division being one, mm-hmm. where they voted on it. And until they had, you know, a majority, they couldn't put through what the higher ups wanted. So, on one sense, I agree with you. On another sense, I disagree because at the what we saw play out, at least in this area, is you can put things in place, you can have people in place on your local board saying, no, we're just not going to do that. Now, when you do that, let's say take the city of Lloyd, when you don't play ball, the way you could be impacted is funding, right? right? And yeah. and I can, and I can, so then you're going to have pain that way. But I, I, I think, Bob, you know, People need to get involved. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not questioning and, that and, 100%. Absolutely. And getting involved, even if it's as small as um, your community <clears throat> rank board, that for a lot of people, if you can keep that running functionally and have smart things going on, and it's very healthy. And if that becomes healthy, maybe another part can become healthy and on and on and on. And if that starts at the grassroots level so where I'll, there I'll, is no parties. Yeah. Right? I'll even add something. When they're doing that, when people are getting involved locally, they're starting to understand what the structure is. True. Right? Uh, how how uh, politics works, even at a municipal level. And then, you know, possibly they'll get involved at a regional level, provincially, in their constituency associations to understand um, the power structure of that, and then provincially and then federally. Um, no, I, I don't disparage anybody that's getting involved locally. It's, it's, a, it's high time that people did. I mean... I was no different. I'm not criticizing people. I'm just like, I was the same. Dane and I were the same, head down, running our businesses, raising our families. We're tired. We get home. We don't have time to worry about, you know, what's going on politically. And that was the difference with me. It's like, okay, walk away from the the business. And then I pop my head up and like, what's going on out here? Mm -hmm. The thing is, is uh, no matter how busy you are, no matter how young your kids are, no matter all those things, um, well, pick your poison, doesn't matter what it is. You've had time for, and, uh, you know, I'll go back to me, like the Edmonton Oilers who are sucking sucking it right now. Um, you've always had time for something. You just need to, you just right. need to supplement your, your diet 
a little bit with a little bit of Paul, just a little bit. I'm not saying you got to know everything inside. No, but you do need, like if you're, you're sitting there and you're 40 years old and you got three kids running every which way and you're pulled to the strings, you know, but you know what the last score of the last night's Oilers game was, you still have a little bit of time. And that little bit oh, of time, right. you need yeah. to just understand a bit. You don't have to come crazy with it, but you need to understand because we've been asleep at the wheel. And the, and the, the excuse always is, well, I'm, look at me. I got three young kids and, 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 you know, people want me to run for different things and everything else. I'm like, how? How do I do that? You know, like, how do I give up all my time to run across the country and chase every little story? I, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But I, stories I, I, can come to you, though, and what you're Well, doing they, and, you they know, can. Yeah. But for other people, you could still read the news article. You can still. <laughs> so I, even in reading the news, like, I, one thing I say is we, we're in a problem. This is a big problem. What I put out there is understanding how this problem happened, understanding how the sure. problem happened so we can find the solution to get out of here. That's my whole point in doing what I'm doing. It's like doing the same thing over and my over whole over. thing that I'm adding to what you're saying is I understand people are busy. Hell, I'm busy. And I do this all the time. And other people are just run off their feet with running a business and everything else. But if you don't pay a little bit of attention, you get COVID over, all over yeah. again. Everybody keeps saying... COVID's happening again. Like, not COVID, but like the same thing is coming. Right. And this is probably my naivety, okay? I disagree. I really think if people stay involved, we can steer clear of a lot of things. It may ha happen across the rest of the world, sure. But in the middle of COVID, you know what? I love staring at like the anomalies. Lacrete was an anomaly. Yeah. They had the one girl pass away from the vax. And then AHS went out there when they were like, mm -hmm, and the community showed up. I might be butchering the story just a smidge. They said, get out of here. We're done with this. And what, did, what did the Alberta government do? All these powerful bureaucrats that we've been talking about. What did they do? They didn't go out there and demand that they're, they're pound of flesh. They left them alone. And I go, if you get involved in your communities the same way, all of a sudden, a lot of these problems. Can you can you imagine this? So I don't disagree with you. Uh, my, I have a lot of friends in the Crete. A lot of them were on the board with me. And uh, my ask of them at the time was to you know, share that far and wide. Share what you're doing to inspire other communities. But being their culture, they're, you know, they're very um, reserved and I understand that. Private. But can you imagine the power of a true grassroots movement, right? And provincially, like we saw nationally, that's the power that people are understanding that they have in themselves. Yes. That we don't have to, you know, let's join this organization of Alberta Prosperity Project or Take Back Alberta. No, you don't need to do that. All you need to show up in numbers and that's it. Show up to your council well, meeting. Show up at, at, the, at the legislature. We were being chased away from the, you know that, right? The Ed Edmonton legislature. They didn't, you know, there wasn't an opportunity to have, I just had this conversation last night. Can you imagine 20,000 people coming there? But it was that divide and conquer that I saw, that I witnessed the first time I met uh, Granny Margaret Mackay was two individuals that created this, just, it was anger. And we both literally physically backed up together and like, well, you know, introduced ourselves. But that's a tactic. And what we're, what we're seeing now with the four Alberta political prisoners, divide and conquer tactics of operatives, of stopping a true movement of people. If we had, whatever, 25,000 people coming to that led, the Lethbridge Courthouse, you don't think that would be pressure on these politicians? That the politicians would go, uh-oh, 
But who stops that? Political operatives stop that because they don't, it's the same people that are criticizing me saying that's not their jurisdiction. That's what happens, Sean. The power is in the people's hands and it doesn't have to be a part of our organization. It's just when they show up together, the very least we can do as people is to advocate for people that are being abused by the system. And that's how we make change today. We don't have to wait for, again, these meetings, these AGMs, these elections. We could do it every single day. Show up in force and say, enough already. You're hurting our friends and neighbors. Stand up for them. And that's it. And that's, you know, with any peaceful movement, that's the power people hold. They just don't, they've lost the vision in that. And uh, it was my message. Whatever organization I was involved in, this is for you. Well, it, you right? know, you know what it is. Well, I don't know. I don't know if this is exactly what it is, but um, people stop talking to the other people in their community, right? Uh, like, uh, like yeah. uh, people talk about busyness. I talk about f- t- phones and technology, and, and and one of the things that's happening, Bob, is more people are starting to talk to one another. Yep. And what of all, you know, folks, if you go back and you listen to a lot of people, what should we do in the coming years? Protect your community. How do you protect your community? You start talking to your community. Then you become involved in your community and you focus on your community. And, you know, like, don't get me wrong. Should we show up and demand things for a politician? Your politician has a community. But You're they, it. And yeah. you need to demand of your representative what you want. And the only way that happens is if you talk to your said community. So what and you, start you are, I'm right there with you. This is the conversation we're having in cameras because what we started there was just the beginning of something. And it's my message everywhere I go. Start in your communities, in your regions and on, you know, the, the boundaries, whatever, and mm-hmm. it'll spill over to the next one. Start having town halls, talk to one another, connect with your members. And so that's the beautiful thing we saw with the Camrose region. So in traveling all across Alberta, Dane and I had the intentions of moving. When we built our home in Peace River, we moved off the farm into town and we said 10 years, we're gonna move somewhere. And just, it was a chain of circumstances and you know, traveling around Alberta, we thought, well, here, here, no. When we showed up in Camrose and we went to a couple events, we're at a uh, Ukrainian dinner at Round Hill Hall. And uh, I turned to Dan and I said, this is it. This is it. It reminded us, it was w- when we grew up, where we grew up, the sense of community and the supporting, supporting one another. So I totally agree with you. And when you, when you work together as a community, that's powerful. And you could, you know, so I, I got to tell you something that happened. It's obscene. So here's another example of why I have no faith that things are going to change in the UCP. UCP MLA Jackie Lovely, um, after the election, filed criminal charges against my campaign manager, Shauna Krebich. Why? Because Shauna was like I was. She got, and even longer, she was involved politically behind the scenes. She was on the, the local UCP board, uh, Jackie Lovely board. She did what I did. She pushed back, you know, what's this is wrong. And then she left, and then she went back at the AGM to try to get reelected. Jackie was handing around a note of who not to vote for, and Shauna's name was on it. So she witnesses, why, why are you doing this? You're the MLA. You shouldn't be doing this. Challenged her. And then she was my campaign manager. So reading through that disclosure, I was laughing out loud. I thought there's no way ever this is going to trial. One of the lines, uh, she accuses Shauna and uh, supporters of scaling her apartment, third floor, balcony, rearranging the furniture, trying the door, and then leaving. 
if you know Shauna, she's got severe health problems. She could, you know, she's has knee issues. She's you know. so it's a blatant lie. It's a lie. Another line in there. Shauna has now switched sides. She's working with Bob Blayon. That's in disclosure. Criticizing Shauna for uh, one of the Maverick Party candidates' campaign. Like, absolutely ridiculous, foolish things. It's going to trial. Political retribution at its finest. Where's Daniel Smith? Where's all these other MLAs? They should be calling this out. Special Crown Prosecutor brought in. Nobody wants to touch it. The RCMP were embarrassed when they showed up. Everybody knows how wrong it is. It's another example of an immoral position of an elected representative that's getting away with it. And nobody's defending this person. This good community leader, she's a good person, the best heart, and she's getting abused by the UCP. No. Jackie Lovely sits on the provincial board. She was tapped for a couple other things. While doing this to an Albertan, that's why I have no hope in this, these politicians in this party. NDP, UCP, they act no differently. Heavy-handed, brutal, unbelievable, terrible. A, that's the time we're in. And so these, the, the political operatives sit back and laugh and mock and say, you know, we're winning, you're losing. You call that winning? I don't call that winning. I call that abuse, abuse of power. Appreciate you coming in. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. <laughs>